Howdy, and welcome to your dog's best life. This is Leanne. I thought I would introduce everybody to my new puppy because I will be saying his name, and it's hard for me to kind of explain in the moment who a given dog is, so I thought I'd just kind of make everybody acquainted with my new puppy. So I had puppy fever a couple months ago. Well, let's be honest. I have chronic puppy fever. I, there's no such thing as too many puppies in my life. Dogs, yes, puppies, no. That, that becomes problematic, mathematically, obviously. But I'd been thinking about a puppy for a while and kept thinking, well, if I put it off a couple years, I'll get another border collie and go from there. But then I was also enjoying doing the IGP training with Matilda, who's very much not bred to do IGP. I thought, well, wouldn't it be cool to do IGP with an IGP is Schutzund or Bite Sports or whatever you want to call it this week, IPO. They they change your name every 30 minutes. By the time this podcast comes out, it'll be named something other, some other stupid sport. But anyway, it's the bite work from the for the German Shepherd dog. So I thought, well, maybe I'll get a breed meant to actually do the sport. Like, I don't know, call me crazy, a German Shepherd. And I do miss having a German Shepherd. I've lo- I loved having the German Shepherds I've had in the past. They're incredible dogs. They bring a ton of just fundamental fun personality to their lives. And they're a fun breed. The issue with German Shepherds, as many may know, is that their confirmation in America tends to be pretty catastrophic. They don't hold up well to work. Many of them can hardly move. There's a huge difference between working line German Shepherds and show line German Shepherds. And I don't know anything about breeders, so I'd have to start researching. I, I would have to get into that world enough to not get screwed. And the kind of dogs I want are very pricey when they hit the ground. And I would then be faced with the possibility of what if I go get a German Shepherd and this dog that I purposely bought to get to do this one particular sport doesn't want to do this one particular sport. Now I've got a German Shepherd on my property for the next 15 years. And German Shepherds with that kind of drive are very, very difficult to keep around livestock. They tend to eat them. So that was, I mean, I kicked it around and I still miss having a German Shepherd, but I'm also sane enough to recognize that with my current property outline the way it is, the possibility of keeping a German Shepherd away from my stock it would be very complicated and very problematic. And so I kind of dropped that idea. Border Collie, obviously, duh, is is would be foremost another idea. Not for Schutzen or IGP, but of course for my primary sport, which is herding. However, right now I I do have a really good number of dogs in herding that I'm herding with. I have Cody, who's eight. And so we're just starting on her AKC championship in uh, advanced herding. And Tag is four and a half, and we're just starting on hers, and we're trying to get her into USBCHA, but that's a long story, and we're about to get into it. So anyway, so I don't need another border collie coming up, because even if I got one today with herding, you know, you look, you wait a year and then you start the dog, then I'd be trying to trial three dogs at one time. And that would be incredibly pricey to do. And I really don't like spending more money than I absolutely have to. But again, puppy fever. So, and of course my Facebook feed is filled to the brim with baby border collies and baby this is and baby that's because all of my friends are fundamentally terrible people and they do nothing but post photos of litters of puppies. 
one of the litters of puppies that kept filling my feed was Emily's. Emily, that she helps me here with my podcast when we can trap her in a corner. She has, she's a puppy raiser. She uses puppy culture. She normally raises puppies for other breeders. This was going to be kind of her first puppies bred kind of by her quote unquote kennel in concert with another kennel out of Canada. So it's not a big deal because her puppies are always spoken for before they're born. So I'm not terribly worried about it. She can fill my feed all she wants with puppies. They have homes. So there's really no danger. They're totally safe puppies. So I can look at them and, oh, they're so cute and watch them grow up. And, oh, that one's really adorable. And it's I'm safe. I'm totally safe from these puppies. What happened was... The breeder is out of Canada and she had pick of the litter and she picked the highest drive, boldest puppy in the litter, which is exactly who I would pick. And this is a breeder, uh, Emily and the, the breeder both are the kind of people who pick the puppies for the puppy buyers. So you're a puppy buyer and you state, you know, you you state what you've done with puppies in the past and you you kind of need to say who you are and and what your goals are and they'll pick the puppy for you because they want to make sure they match the energy of the puppy and the drive of the puppy to your lifestyle and then what happened was this super high drive puppy the pick of the litter the breeder decided that shipping him in canada and acquiring yet another dog i believe she has quite a few not that that's a problem for any of us was going to be just a step too far. Uh, importing him out of Arizona to Canada is kind of a pain. And right now, I think with COVID restrictions out of Canada, I think it's still problematic to try to get dogs across the border. So she decided, I believe when the puppies were six or seven weeks old, so they were they were old enough that we could you could see who they were going to be personality-wise, which is why she was able to pick one. But they weren't weaned yet. They weren't leaving the property yet. And so suddenly this... At seven weeks, this little dog becomes available. Well, that puts Emily and the breeder in a little bit of a bind because they had no more high-drive puppy buyers on the list. They were out. And so Emily immediately contacts me and says, Hey, I have a puppy for you. And I'm like, Oh, that's funny. Ha ha. And then Nita Gandera, who's also been on this podcast, who's a huge name in Australian Shepherd Goals, was in town here doing a two-day workshop, which was amazing, by the way, and also picking up her puppy because the puppies were hitting eight weeks. And she says, oh, you should probably take this last little puppy. You'd love him. He's a lot of dog. He'd be perfect for you. And uh, so... Anyway, I had been fostering a puppy for Arizona Border Collie Rescue because I knew that I wouldn't take it home. It was a great Pyrenees mixed with an Australian Shepherd and or Border Collie. There were a bunch of them pulled, kind of quasi hoarding kind of case and a bunch of them were pulled. And so I pulled, I got this puppy and I was fostering it because I knew it was totally safe to have this puppy on the property and because I would never want a Pyrenees mixed with a Border Collie or an Australian Shepherd. Well, that weakened my husband. And see, if he weakens, we're done. We have the only self-control for dogs on the property has to be him. But when it was time to give up 
we called this puppy Dandelion. When it was time to give up Dandelion to her adoptive owner, suddenly my husband's like, well, she's super cute. We should keep her. And I took that as we should get another dog. I could be wrong. He mentions that I might be wrong, but you know, whatever. I, I heard it. And then Emily is like, well, this puppy and well, okay. So he came home with me at I think nine, nine and a half weeks. And my husband and I went back and forth with names because we name by theme. And the theme that we use is Old West uh, characters and whatnot. So we have Cody, my border collie is Buffalo Bill Cody, even though she's a girl. I have, so I have eight dogs now. So seven are female or six are female, poor dice. And so we've always had this overabundance of females with outlaw names and that's really hard. So we've had Jesse James, a female. We've had Calamity Jane, obviously a female. We've had Cody, who's a female. Annie Oakley, we've had uh, Calamity Jane. We've had, oh, I just said that. We've had Tag is named after the fictional brother of, Annie Oakley in an old Western from the fifties, like an old Western TV show and Billy, the kid female and dice came with his name and I really liked it. So we kept it. Matilda came with her name and we really liked it. So we kept it and I just name everybody. Oh, Ketchum. Ketchum's named uh, after blackjack Ketchum and which has a great name. Ketchum's a great name. If only she had heard herded sheep. What a great name for a stock dog. Ketchum. But no, she was terrible. So anyway, the thing that I was thinking about, the reasons I was able to justify getting an Australian Shepherd versus say a Border Collie, because I had to justify the shit out of this, to be honest, was a couple of things that happened over the summer. So this summer, the big plan was to finally do USBCHA with Tag and Cody. So. For those of you who don't know, let me just kind of tell you a little bit about what USBCHA means. And um, for those of you who already know, sorry. So USBCHA is big field herding. That is the stuff that you see on TV in Wales and Ireland and Great Britain and those places where the, the sheep are out 400 yards and the dog goes on this monster outrun and then the sheep go all over the field. And it's, it's all very, very amazing, very cool and just so otherworldly you just can't imagine how anybody could train a dog to do that well we're at the point where that is a we could actually theoretically possibly get around a course if all the stars aligned and the sheep were in the best of moods but it's time it's time for me to go out and take a chance and pay the money and go to the handler's post and pray to the god of sheep that you know they at least get them to my feet and that is the goal at the beginning is to at least get the sheep to my feet. So I send the dog on the 400 yard outrun and the hope is that the dog finds the sheep at all because I've been to multiple trials where the dog never finds the sheep and you just donated 60 bucks to the club because your dog never even saw the sheep. So, so anyway, that was the goal for the summer. And it started off with, uh, I'm in Arizona. If you look at USBCHA, which is the club, United States Border Collie Handlers Association, because that's a good name. You'll see there are no trials in Arizona. And Arizona is not a petite state. And the closest trials to Arizona are in northern New Mexico. So I signed up for the first trial in northern New Mexico at Freebie Ranch. And 
it was canceled because the state was on fire. So of course, obviously we couldn't do that. So she shreds the check and now I've just spent, you know, half a month expecting to do this trip and now that's gone and I can't enter any other trials. So she had other trials. So she had one in August. So I'm like, okay, we're going to do that one. There are only two trials in New Mexico. So I'm so far, I've entered one and I'm, and I'm entering a second. Then I'm thinking, well, let's see if there's another trial anywhere, anywhere in the four corner states or even West Texas that I could do a week in the RV between Northern New Mexico and this other location, kind of spend a vacation with my husband and then go to this next trial. So I'm scouring the whole planet. I find this other trial up by Salt Lake City, Utah. Now that is a monster drive, just so you understand with an RV that you are crossing the Rocky Mountains. It is a beast of a drive, but I will be able to get two trials in this summer. So I send in my entries, I plan everything, I'm, I'm psyched, and they're both canceled. And they're both canceled pretty close to like D-Day. So all of a sudden I went from having the possibility of three barely scraped together herding trials in the Western states to zero in my summer. And I was really kind of over it. I've really struggled with the lack of USBCHA trials in this part of the country with the miles that would be necessary to really do what I want to do, which is go to Meeker, which is a big trial where you have to get in and the stalker super, super hard, even qualifying for nationals. Yeah, it's a ludicrous idea, but you know, it happens to other people. And even if I go there and it's a complete shit show, at least I'm going and I'm being invited someplace. There's nothing like that outside of USBCHA for herding. AKC does not have an invitational for herding, either in border qualities or just general dogs. There's no such thing as an invitational. And I'm a child and I like to go to, I want to achieve things. Like when I was a triathlete, I wanted to go to, I wanted to go to, the U.S. championships. I wanted to go to the world championships. I made it to U.S. a couple of times, not so much for world because I really, really did suck at it, but I did. I pursued it. I traveled all over the West to try to get the points and did it and went to Tahoe and got my ass kicked by the best of the best. So I, I don't care about winning or losing, but I'd like to go and see better people than me and be surrounded by that kind of success. So it sounds childish. I own it. I have no problem with it. So this whole time I'm, I'm paying attention to this and I recognize there is a group of people who do take hurting seriously, who do have invitationals, who do have high standards like USBCHA. And that is ASCA, Australian Shepherd Club of America. They have an invitational. They have a nationals championship where it's not just you show, like Border Collie has a championship, all breeds have a championship, but I can show up having never shown my dog and never done a damn thing. And I can trial and herding. And that's not how an invitational works. I, I know I sound like a child, but I own that. I want to go to an invitational. I want to be invited. And so ASCA has this. That and a bunch of my students have Australian Shepherds. And so I, I want to understand the breed better. I want to understand how they herd differently than Border Collies. So that's one of the reasons. 
I really felt bummed about getting shut out of USBCHA tray. I mean, this year I really felt like here we are finally, 2020 was a disaster. Uh, we lost a whole entire freaking year. And then 2021 was all about regrouping and getting the skills to go out and try to, to get there. And then here we are in 2022, I set this task for myself and it, the whole thing fell apart. And at the same time, ASCA has put on, you know, six trials in Arizona and another half dozen in New Mexico. And they've had a national championship that was in part invitation only. So that, that is part of it. And that is a, that it, believe it or not, that is a really a major reason why I went with an Australian Shepherd. The other reason is, is I am enjoying IGP. I am enjoying the bite sports and border collies are not as, as, hardy a breed when it comes to having pressure placed on them as Australian Shepherds. Um, by that I mean when you are, when you see bite sports, the dog has to take some level of pressure from the decoy, the guy with the bite suit with the little stick. He's putting pressure on that dog to not release the grip, to not quit. And it's not hard, hard pressure, but it is pressure. And border collies are notoriously what we refer to as nervy. These aren't a dog that really wants to engage with strange human beings. Aussies can be nervy too, don't get me wrong, but they are less likely to be nervy. So that was the other thing is even, you know, I know he's bred well for herding. If I didn't think he'd, he'd wash out. I mean, herding breeding tends to run true, but even if it were a disaster and he sucked, and I was stuck with yet another herding breed dog who cannot herd, which my whole my pack is freaking full of. At least we could do this other sport with him and we'd have a chance of, of excelling at a different sport with him, much more so than a German Shepherd, where if he didn't or she didn't do well, you are shit out of luck. There's no plan B. We'd be doing rally and obedience. I'm not going to herd with a German Shepherd. I know I sound like a snob, but I'll own that. I don't care. So Briscoe is seven months old. Nita Gandera has one of the puppies, another woman who was, I believe the national like champion of trick dogs has another one of the puppies. Emily kept one of the puppies. And so there's a huge, and we have a purse, a private Facebook group with all of us. Nita's puppy, we're seven months old. Nita's puppy pretty much does her taxes at this point. Uh, that puppy can go get her mail. She's doing long tracks. She has like 50 behaviors. I think that puppy has more behavior cues on it than my entire pack of dogs combined. <laughs> Nita does nothing but train all day. She's an amazing, amazing trainer. And we are going to hopefully have her on to talk about kind of a compare and contrast. Because I think it is funny uh, looking at the accomplishments and achievements of her puppies thus far. So, so far her puppy is like i said doing her taxes my puppy is rolling in poop and we did get a novice do more with your dog trick title on him at four months old but that was just because we became competitive with nita and we didn't actually train much of it because a lot of it was go over an a-frame go over a teeter things like that where there was really not a lot of training it was just courage and he's a very courageous puppy He's really fun so far. I'm really enjoying having him. The last time I had a puppy was Tag, so that was four and a half years ago. And he is, I think, a little bolder than her. He's certainly louder 
these Aussies and their voices, good God, he's discovered his, and he is a barkopotamus, and that will be the death of one of us. And But he's bold. He is fun. I am very much in the picture with him. He's He's independent, but he's also very focused on me. I'm really enjoying him. We've started training some basics like heel. He has a sit. He has an almost down. He has a recall. We've put him on livestock one time. My sheep are in the range right now because uh, it's the end of the summer, so they're at large in the wilderness. But he's been on sheep at Sue's place, and he wasn't a disaster, so I'm happy with that. I, I kind of felt really, really good about what I saw. So we're just going to let him sit back, be a puppy, do puppy things. Uh, he's starting to run with the ATVs. We've just started doing that. He gets along well with the other pu- uh, the other dogs, but of course he's a puppy, so that's you know that goes without saying. He's been camping. He's had adventures. He's red. He's very cute. I will post a photo of him on the Facebook page when I get around to it. But I just want to introduce you guys. So when you hear the name Briscoe, oh, I didn't explain his name. That was silly. There was a great Western, and I put Western in air quotes because more like, what is that called? Steampunk? Uh, steampunk Western? Kind of like Wild Wild West was a steampunky kind of thing where they had all these gadgets. It was it was kind of kind of like, I don't know, kind of like futuristic and old Westy. There was a Western in, I want to say the 90s, Anyway, Bruce Campbell played the main character, and his name was Briscoe County Jr. And so after a long conversation going back and forth with names, we arrived at Briscoe because it's fun and it's different. So anyway, that's what we ended up with. And yeah, I think that's I think that's plenty. He's an Australian Shepherd. He does have a tail, so when you guys see photos of him on my Facebook page, Empire Ridge Ranch, you'll be like, wait, she doesn't have another Aussie. She only has the Blue Merle. Well, yeah, he has a tail. The The decision was made to leave the tail on because, of course, we know the tail works as a rudder, and it's better for athletic, athletic dogs. And I believe the breeder, even though she is doing a lot of stock dog stuff, I think some of her very her buyers some of her big puppy buyers are monsters in the agility world up there in Canada and I think they try to get on the national team and I believe if you have a docked dog you cannot trial in parts of Europe so because of that we don't want to have these dogs with their tails docked because then they can't trial in agility in Europe so I think part of the reason was obviously the rudder situation. The, the, we don't want to lose any of the skills and musculature that is necessary for a good performance dog. So we want to keep that rudder on the dog. They also have their dew claws. And we also, I think, like I said, I think she wanted to make sure that her folks who are buyers up in Canada could use the, these puppies for agility for trying to get to, the, I guess, the World Cup or World championships or something like that if they happen in Europe and so anyway I have a good handle on most of the litter so it will be fun watching all of these puppies grow up and I'll try to from time to time see if I can grab Emily and Nita as these puppies mature to kind of go through what we're seeing in these various puppies because we are seeing different genetic attributes they're obviously being trained by or owned by different people they're having different backgrounds too so you know genetics nature nurture and all of that and 
So anyway, I wanted you guys all meet Briscoe and know who I'm talking about when I mention his name. So I have, uh, let me just go run down through the dogs real quick for those of you who've not met them all, I'm putting that in air quotes. I'm starting from oldest to youngest. I have Blackjack Ketchum. She is 15 and she actually suffered a very dangerous accident back in end of May, the neighbor accidentally, she sleeps, she's deaf, uh, well, mostly deaf, she's 15, so mostly deaf, and she's got very, what we call spondylosis in her spine, which means she's got a neurologic deficit behind, so she's starting to drag her rear end a little bit, not totally drag it, but like her toenail, she drags a little bit, she's not super comfortable on her rear end, she's lost a lot of muscle mass over the top line and over her rear end, but she still gets along just perfectly fine, I mean, She's crunchy and she's old, but that's if that's the most you can say about me when I'm 95 years old, then I'm all for it. Anyway, she sleeps underneath cars. That's where she likes to hang out, especially in the summer. And she likes to spend time, at least she used to, with the neighbor's house because the little girl's there and the little girl is very careless with her food. And they were home a lot more than I was, so she would go hang out there. So anyway, she was sleeping underneath the neighbor's truck. The neighbor thought he had moved her out from underneath the truck, but then he got distracted, ran back into the house for something he missed. She either didn't completely come out from underneath the truck or changed her mind and went right back in. Whatever the case, he threw the truck and drive and drove. And we don't know exactly what happened, but she definitely got clocked. She broke her pelvis and I thought we were going to have to euthanize. I, I would, I'm not going to do surgery on a 15-year-old dog who's already weak behind. I don't even think I would have put a cast on her if she'd fracture her leg because she couldn't have tolerated the weight of the cast. So I was really afraid that that was all she wrote. And I was obviously devastated. And my neighbor was traumatized. And he drove me into town with Ketchum. And, and of course, it was a holiday, but my friends at Animal Care Center of Green Valley, who are the best veterinarians in the world, met me there. Dr. Andrea Hilden, one of the most wonderful veterinarians in the world, uh, met me there. And she, we knew. I, I wasn't pretending. I mean, I said we were probably x-raying and euthanizing. And, you know, 15-year-old dog. I'm not just going to do anything crazy to keep this dog alive for me, because it would have been for me. It wouldn't have been for her. Well, it turned out that she fractured a piece of the pelvis that is non-weight bearing and it was a minor fracture with no displacement we did nothing we gave her pain meds and she is a hundred percent fine uh that was several months ago that was the beginning of the summer and now we're at the end of the summer and she's totally perfect so she's going to keep on trucking and you know when her day comes her day comes but so far, she is resisting the Green Raper with everything she has, so I'm all for it. So she's 15. She's a senior. She washed out of herding right away. She was god-awful terrible. She thought her job was to floss her teeth with sheep bits. So that's the reason I have a little ram who is missing half of an ear. She is a shark, even at 15. Next um, on the age list would be, so she's 15, would be Dice. Dice is coming... 10. He'll be nine. He's nine and a half right now. He was a stock dog. He was doing really well. We have, I think he has a title in AHBA, American Herding Breed Association. He was the first title in herding I ever got on a dog. And I think we may have done a little bit of AKC with him, but I don't remember because 
the beginning, January of 2020, he was involved in an accident. I let him out to go potty and I don't know what he did. We don't know where or how. We guess something steel is the best we can guess. He tore all of the ligaments and or tendons, I can never remember which is which, on the medial aspect of his hock. And he completely severed them in half. And there was nothing there to stabilize anything in the whole back leg from the knee to the toes. Obviously that was an emergency. Uh, I wrapped him up. We uh, put a mod I put a modified Robert, Robert Jones on and we took him to the vet as an emergency the very next day with Dr. Murray at Animal Care Center of Green Valley, who is again wonderful. And there were x-rays, there was a cast, there was surgery. And after a year of waiting for the tendons to repair themselves, we just don't have enough repair for him to be able to tolerate the turns necessary for doing stock dog work. So he can go in straight lines, like he can play with the ATV, he can run in straight lines, but if you ask him to make the corners and the, cha the changes of directions necessary to do stock dog work, he's in pain right away. So he is, he is officially retired and he is now just a dog and he hangs out and does doggy things. So that's the next dog down. Cody, and he's a border collie. Uh, Ketchum's board probably. Cody is my next dog down. She's my shadow chaser. She's my whack job. Uh, she's the coolest dog. If I'd gotten this dog when she was a puppy before she de developed her neuroses, she would have been the best dog that I ever owned. She's the coolest, coolest dog. She is eight and a half and she is, she's the first real like stock dog that I've ever really owned. She we're hoping to do a USB-CHA this year. I don't know if we'll be able to do it next year. We're just, she's running out of endurance. Doing those kind of distances that, you know, coming on nine, eight, coming on eight, is, is that's a really tough deal to ask for these dogs to do, especially if the sheep are putting up a fight. And she does not have a ton of, of push in her. She's a very soft dog. I kind of joke that where Tag runs up to the sheep and says, hey, go! go where I'm going to tell you to go or you're in trouble. And they get all kind of wacky and freaked out with her. Cody comes around the top and she says, hello, ladies, would you mind coming gently down the arena with me? And we will explore the whole world together. So she's, she's a lady through and through coolest little dog. She's working on her AKC championship in advanced herding. And she's received several titles in ASCA and on ducks and sheep. She's a rock star in every way, shape, or form. And form, She's the best dog ever in the whole world. And then there's Ruby. Ruby is five, I think next month. She's an Australian Shepherd. She came to me at two. She is very reactive to humans, very fast and explosive in her reactivity. She's very drivey. I think she's just the result of god-awful breeding. She's just super reactive and super quick. And she's a hell of a disc dog. We've done disc with her. We've done dock diving. She's terrible at dock diving, but she has fun. She goes into the water like a torpedo, like straight down off the dock and then swims with all her might to the whatever I've thrown. So she sucks, but she has fun. Uh, she cannot herd. She never liked it. She thinks that sheep are awesome Pez dispensers of sheep poop. But beyond that, she has no desire to move them. She just wants to bark and let them run around. But really, that's pretty much it. She came to me used, so I just, I, she, she just lives her life and does Aussie things. And then there's Tag. 
and tag is four and a half. She's a border collie and she is my primary herding dog after Cody. She's a lot tougher to work on, but she hasn't suffered from all the mistakes I made with Cody. Um, when you have your first dog, you're gonna make mistakes and they're not gonna be the dogs they could have been because of you, not because of them. And so she's a better dog than Cody because I'm a better trainer. Uh, Cody's actually would have been a better dog. Uh, Tag Tag has a little, little bit of nerve and she tends to grip out and she gets very frustrated with sheep and tends to chomp on them, which is not appropriate behavior. But she's awesome in every way. And she's also, we are going to try to do a BH on her, which is the Schutzen version of kind of the canine good citizen, but it's like a canine good citizen on steroids. It's what would happen if the canine good citizen was given to Germans. So it is a real test of your dog's ability to tolerate uh, the world and a really long healing pattern and a, like almost 10 minute long stay. So it is a beast. So we're going to see if we can get her through it. Uh, I think we can. She's a hell of a dog. We, she's also, we're finishing up a rally novice title, mostly because I keep forgetting to enter her and hopefully get her an intermediate this year. This year being, yeah, 2022. Yeah, we're still in this year. And we're gonna, we made a bet with some other people. Rally Free is coming to Tucson. So that's freestyle only with signs. So you don't have to have any skills for making up a, a, a rally freestyle or a freestyle, what are they called? I don't even know what it's called. A freestyle routine. I don't have to have any skills because clearly I don't even know how to say the word. So anyway, we're gonna do that. See how humiliating we can be. I don't anticipate much success there, but it'll be fun. She's a disc dog, but she catches the disc like a rabid monkey, so I'm super careful with her because I don't want to injure her. And she jumps pretty nice off a dock. She's a pretty athletic little dog. So anyway, that's Tag. Then there's Matilda, my wild child. She is two years old, two and a half years old, and got her used, got her at eight months. She is probably the result, she is the result of a backyard breeder. Uh, nice lady. I mean, I know the breeder, but it was an oops litter. And uh, I think mostly kind of crazed agility lines because she is the least focused of any dog I've ever met in my entire life. It's like any thought that she has in her head lasts about a third of a second and then she's off to another thing. She is exhausting to train, but she must do something or she will make you insane. She is a dog I'm doing IGP with. I We will see if we can get her through anything. The goal is to get her through a BH tag is to, the goal is to get her through we'll be having a trial in february of 2023 so that's the goal for tag matilda i think that'd be really pushing it for 2023 so we are early 2023 so we might be looking more at fall of 2023 or sometime uh but i keep hoping so we'll see with her she's doing bite work which is really fun and uh, we'll just see with her she's also a beast of a dock diving dog even though she's smaller and tinier than tag she crushes it and goes much further. She jumps 22 feet, which is pretty good because I don't know how to train it. So anyway, that's the flock of dogs. And then Briscoe. So there are, oh, Billy. Oh my God, I forgot Billy. My livestock guardian dog is five and a half years old. Her name is Billy the Kid. She is a Marema sheep dog. She knows nothing. She knows her name. She knows how to come. And any behavior they ask for after come is going to turn into a down. So you might as well just call it a down and be done with it. And it's going to probably turn into a stay. 
until she decides to move again. She is effectively a rug uh, disguised as a dog. She keeps the livestock from getting murdered by monsters. So anyway, that's Billy the Kid. So there you go. There are my eight dogs. So anyway, uh, thank you very much. Have a good evening. And our, it's evening for me. My apologies. If you like our podcast, please follow us on Facebook, Your Dog's Best Life on Facebook. My personal website or my personal Facebook page is Empire Ridge Ranch on Facebook. And you're welcome to follow us there. If you want, we would love it if you would like, share, subscribe, and do the other thing that I can never remember. Rate. Rate and review. That's it. Rate and review. I don't know how to do it, but please do it. Thank you so much. Bye.